What's going on, everybody? It's Jamel Gibbs, your family-oriented entrepreneur. Welcome to another podcast episode. This is the Business and Investing Podcast, where you learn all things business and investing related. So today, we have DeAndre back. You guys are very familiar if you've been watching my podcast for any amount of time. We've done a ton of podcast episodes together. But today, we wanted to bring DeAndre back on the show real life numbers on how the HELOC can actually be affected, whether it works or not, based on the numbers. We're going to share a screen today and show you guys in real time how this thing actually works. A lot of people are still confused on how the interest works, still confused on how the HELOC can fit into their lives in general. So we're going to share the basics, the fundamentals of how the HELOC works and show you the real numbers. Now we've done share screens before with, you know, the podcast and showing you guys the numbers and, and, and all of that and how it actually works. But we're going to go into a little more detail today, right? And the reason for that is because we're trying to debunk the questions, some of the comments that we get on our podcast episodes so that you guys can have a better understanding of why this actually works and how it works. Um, you know, before we actually get started, shout out to um, Gary Whitaker, he's a client of mine and DeAndre's. Uh, he went out and got a HELOC and guess what? I know Gary's probably going to be embarrassed when he, when he sees this man, but, uh, guess what? He signed up for my, my coaching program, um, using the HELOC, but then we took the funds from the HELOC in order to invest into his first fix and flip, which Within one day of him being in my program, uh, we got that deal for him. So shout out to Gary. I'm going to have him on the podcast sometime in the near future. That's just one example. There's a, there's plenty of other examples of people who have gotten a HELOC and now they're flipping houses through my coaching program as well. But today, we just wanted to share the, the numbers with you guys. DeAndre takes care of you guys with the HELOC, DeAndre and Anthony Russian takes care of you guys through the with, with, with the HELOC situation. I take care of you on what to do with the money, how to make money <laughs> with the HELOC. This is a team effort. And again, we just want to be a little more uh, transparent with the numbers and show you guys how it actually works. So, uh, you know, grab a pen, grab a piece of paper, take a lot of notes on this particular episode. We're gonna go into a lot of detail. And if you guys still have questions after the fact, be sure to leave a comment in the comment section so that we can get those questions addressed. DeAndre Clayton, what's up, my man? What's going on, man? How you doing today? Doing good, bro. Can't complain. Yeah. So for, for those of you who don't know DeAndre, I'm gonna have him tell you a little bit about himself. Maybe you're new to my channel or whatever the case may be. So why don't you tell everybody a little bit about what you do and, and who you are, DeAndre? Okay, so uh, I'm widely known as an infinite banking specialist. I also uh, run a Medicare firm as well. Um, and through the, out this journey, I just realized that there were just so many people who struggled on this aspect of how to survive after retirement, right? Uh, or around the retirement age, they have homes that they're still trying to pay off with social security dollars, different things like that. And so um, I was always looking for different ways to benefit them in reference to debt consolidation. And of course, we had our, our video with uh, Briscoe, 
come about. And uh, Briscoe's example really helped me to shorten the time period to help people get out of debt and start to really use their cash flow for something better uh, without having to take on as many risks uh, that they take on. And when I say risks, oftentimes, you know, you hear the high risk, high reward concept. I've never really been a fan of that concept because it doesn't mean high reward. High risk means there's a high probability of losing. Um, But the more and more education that you take in, the better off you will be long term, which makes your risk lower. Knowledge makes risk lower. So today, um, in essence, what we're trying to do with this HELOC method and, and trying to teach you is how to make this not seem risky to you. Because you may have information on, you may have watched a few podcasts, and in actuality, we understand that those podcasts is teaching you the concept, right? Uh, and I'm a big data person. I don't like to sell dreams or anything like that. I like to get into the numbers. I like to get dirty with them so that you can understand, hey, this is something that me and my family could actually do and actually make happen. And once you've understood how cash flow works, how banking works, how interest works, um, the, the world becomes your oyster, really. And, and that's what we're trying to help people to understand today. Who should be actually applying for this loan, right? How to use this loan effectively, why the loan works, right? And full disclosure before I see it in the comments, right, is um, I don't sell first position HELOCs. I don't make a commission from HELOCs. So when I'm teaching you this, you can't even bring that up in the comments. I know that's good. He sounds like a salesman. No, that, that's not going to be quite it. This is an educational podcast, and that's what we intend to do, is educate you today. That's right, man. So why don't we dig into this, man? Uh, why don't we pull up the screen, uh, start getting into the numbers, and, and explain why we're doing what we're doing today? Absolutely. Now, now before we pull up the screen, I just want to bring up a few different things, because uh, I know it's going to come up as people are looking at the numbers. They may not understand what exactly they are really looking at. Um, But in order to understand the HELOC method, it is imperative that you understand how interest works and how banking works. So first, we'll just kind of talk about interest, right? So most people, they shoot down this method by talking about interest rate right away, right? Oh, the interest rate's too high. That's where they shoot it down. Well, I've said it on previous podcasts that interest is really the least important component. Interest rate is really the least important component of how interest works. And we can prove this one by one today, right? So um, when I made the statement about if it was a 45% interest rate, but the balance was zero, what that's helping people to understand is that interest rate is a codependent factor. Mm. It depends on other things to be dangerous, right? Um, Which is why it can't be the most important aspect of how much a loan costs because it's dependent upon things. So the first thing is balance. If there's a $0 balance, you don't owe money. It doesn't matter if the interest rate is 100%. And I hope we can agree on that. (laughs) I hope we can agree on that, right? The second thing is time, right? So when we talk about time, you can learn that time is really more important than interest rate or anything like that, because 
What happens when you're taking out a loan is time is measured in two different ways. It's tenure, and then you also measure time with frequency of charge. So what I mean by that is if you have a car loan, you may notice that a car loan is not a three-year loan. It's a 36-month loan, which right. means the interest payment is charged every month. That's the reason why it's designed that way. Same thing for the mortgage, right? So that's the frequency of charge aspect. Now, the time aspect, the reason why we know it's so important is we can kind of give this analogy. Jamel, you need 60 grand today, right? You go to the bank and you say, hey, look, I need 60 grand. And I expect that by the end of the month, I'm going to be able to pay you back the full 60 grand. Would the bank loan you 60000 would they loan me sixty thousand? Yeah, they loan me sixty thousand, but for somebody else, I'm not sure. <laughs> Would they loan you up sixty thousand for one month? No, they're gonna do it over a period of time. They're gonna do it over a period of time. Why are they doing it over a period of time? So it lowers the payments, and they make more money in interest. Exactly right. If time is not attached to interest, the rate doesn't have a chance to be charged. Right. So, for instance, if you got a credit card, you go ahead and you finish off paying everything in a given month. You'll notice that you don't have a payment. Right. Going into it. There's no interest payment going into it because time is required for interest to be dangerous. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, positive or negative. Right. <laughs> but most of the time people deal with time from a negative aspect when it comes to interest. Uh, now, the third most important component of how interest works is what is the class of the interest? So is it simple interest? Is it compound interest? Is it amortized? So I want to make sure this is very clear. Most things you have in life are not simple interest. Most things. Most things. Most things yeah. Yeah. But most things are not. Yeah, most right. things are not simple interest. Most people, their frequency of using debt is probably in an amortized or compound interest setting. Yep. Right. So credit cards, homes, that's kind of common. Right. Um, and so simple interest, I, I like to say it's simple as pie. Simple is anytime you pay debt, the best way to pay debt or the best place to pay debt in is a simple interest environment mm -hmm. because more of your money goes towards the principal. That's just, that's a fact, right? Um, now, of course, when you talk about uh, compound interest, the reason why it's so dangerous is because it allows itself to charge interest on top of interest. So it charges interest on the previous month, so on and so forth, or whatever that snowball effect has become. Um, and then you have amortized interest, which kind of works at like at 80, 20, 70, 30 for the first 13 years, if we're talking about a home in particular, because that's what we're talking about today. Um, but you have this situation where about 80% is going directly towards the mm -hmm. interest, and then about 20% is going directly towards the principal. So if we focus on interest rate first, the reason why it doesn't make sense is because it's not equal. It's not an apples to apples conversation. If a person is inside of a HELOC, it's a simple interest vehicle. 
if you're inside of a mortgage, it is a amortized vehicle. Not what, the same. It's not the same. It's not the same in regards to interest. And you'll see that today. But the other portion that I would like to make sure people understand is you have never understood interest. Most people haven't. Mm -hmm. Most people understand taxes, right? So like if I told you to go and get a Snickers bar, you kind of don't expect to pay taxes on that Snickers bar indefinitely. But if I tell you to go and get a home, you expect to pay property taxes for the entirety of the ownership of the home. That's a simple concept. But the whole concept of debt consolidation is built around the fact that you can't keep up with different classes of interest. That's what debt consolidation is for. If you go and get a debt consolidation loan, the main purpose is you got this credit card over here that charges uh, 25% and it does it on the 22nd. You got another one that charges on the 7th. <laughs> you got another one that charges and they're all different percentages. And so you have this triggering effect of the statement balances being due at different times and you're falling behind because you don't know how to keep up with the vast degree of interest payment and classes that you have, right? So what do you do? You get a debt consolidation loan, you put it all into one place and you say, okay, I'm gonna change the class of the interest or I'm gonna change the interest rate for an extended period of time. So class of the interest, I may take a simple interest loan and say, okay, I'm, I'm agreeing to 7%. I'm agreeing to 10% because I want to get rid of 20, 30, 29, 21, whatever percentage. Yeah. And I want to get rid of the compound. So what happens when you take a debt consolidation loan out? You no longer have a interest payment on the things you paid off, right? So your credit card will no longer have a minimum due balance. Now, why is this so important? Well, in the HELOC, you're consolidating your largest debt, which means there is no longer a mortgage in place. The class of interest has changed, right? So, so just, to, just to clarify that real quick. So you're saying, um, and this is just for everybody listening, if we're thinking about a HELOC versus a mortgage, you can liken a HELOC to taking out a debt consolidation loan. Yeah. And that's not to be confused that saying a HELOC is a debt consolidation loan because it's not. But if you're thinking along the same lines of what we're, we're talking about, you're saying that a HELOC can be equivalent to a debt consolidation loan because of the way the interest is set up, right? Yes. Well, and, and to be frank, when you're talking about a first position HELOC, it is a debt consolidation loan mm -hmm. because it's consolidating the mortgage. It is at least getting rid of that. Um, mm -hmm. It has the ability to get rid of far more things than the mortgage. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, even when I ran your numbers, I ran your numbers and then I added your cars into it. Mm -hmm. Right. So it can consolidate a great deal of debt, which is normally what people would use the second position for. They might say, oh, you know, I want to get my home done or I, you know, I have some credit cards out there lingering and I want to get rid of them. Well, you're doing that because you recognize that you can't keep up with the payments that they've generated already. So you're like, all right, well, the HELOC will make that easier. It'll make my credit profile better. 
Mm-hmm. And that's not a bad idea. It's smart. You're changing the class of interest. However, where people get stumped on this first position side is they just are like, well, but the mortgage has a low interest rate. So they can understand it when it comes to the credit card. They can't understand it when it comes to the mortgage, right? Now, the next thing I'll say is really important to understand this concept is banking, right? So, and this is probably, this is going to be really quick. Before we even jump into the banking part, what about those who say, you know, the HELOC is going to have an adjustable rate. How would you, how should we address that type of question? Well, legally, the adjustments can't be significant. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's one thing. Uh, if you even notice today uh, in the HELOC example, you're going to see, you're going to see a 7.5% rate. Um, a lot of other HELOC lenders may start off at about 8.6, which is prime, right? Um, but the mortgages nowadays are getting close to that number as well, right? Mm-hmm. And, yep. and so when you talk about it being an adjustable rate, here's the reason why the rate being adjustable doesn't matter as much on a HELOC as it does a mortgage. A mortgage has already scheduled your payments, right? Uh, so if that rate changes, then it's going to be a re- recalculation of how the interest is going to work on the loan that is going to be very unfavorable, significantly unfavorable because 80% of your payment is going towards the interest. When you're inside of the HELOC, the HELOC is a priority principal payment loan. So in essence, anytime you do the strategy that we talked about, which is flowing your income through the HELOC, the principal drops by the amount that your income is right away, right? The interest is calculated after that. So kind of think of the difference of, you know, if we were talking about how a a W-2 worker is taxed versus a 1099 or a business Mm -hmm. owner, a W-2 worker is taxed on their gross, right? Which means they pay far more taxes Mm -hmm. than a 1099 person because they're taxed on their net. Now, the 1099 person can be taxed more than a W-2 person with the same income, but the only reason why that would happen is because they didn't deduct. They didn't write anything off. Yeah, but the law has allowed you to write off quite a bit being a business Mm -hmm. owner. So what happens is most write off a significant amount and they bring down what their income looks like to the government. And now the government has to tax them on that number. Right. Until you got to borrow money and then you want to keep Until you got to borrow money and then you want to keep I always bring that up too. Because <laughs> real estate investors, you know, when I'm doing a consult with a real estate investor, they almost don't want to tell me their income. And I'm like, I'm not in the IRS. <laughs> like, bro, just give me the numbers, man. <laughs> just give me the numbers. It benefits you to write less off when you're trying to get loans to a bank right. in order to be able to buy Absolutely. more real estate. Absolutely. Or at least establish a relationship. But once that relationship is established, it benefits to just write more stuff off. Absolutely. Yeah. And and the HELOC may benefit you even from that standpoint a little bit better because if you gain mm. access to a lot of money, you have less opportunities where you're going to be going and asking for a loan anyways. Right. Right. That, that's just common sense. If you're looking and you're sitting on 200, 300,000, you're probably not going to ask 
hey, can I borrow 60000 for this fix and flip? You're probably not going to do it. You're probably just going to go ahead, send the money out, continue the process of, of flowing your income through it, right? Um, but as I was saying, when it comes to the, the 1099 worker or the business owner, they're taxed on their net. So when you're thinking about the interest payment on a mortgage, the interest payment on a mortgage is very similar to being a W-2 worker. The mm -hmm. interest payment on a HELOC is very similar to being a business owner. If you're flowing all of your income through it, the principal changes all the time. So you're not right. charged a flat interest rate. You can't be charged a flat interest rate on a number that fluctuates the whole month. Whereas in your in your mortgage, obviously, you're going to be charged a flat interest rate because you only put one mortgage payment in, mm -hmm. right? Um, now, as I mentioned, let's let's go towards the but, bank. But even still, to, just to debunk even the adjustable rate. So you might have an adjustable rate uh, mortgage on your, you know, you, you might have an adjustable, mm -hmm. well, you might have a flat interest rate on your mortgage. Um versus an adjustable rate, but you know what's going to fluctuate it is, you know, the taxes. Taxes, yep. Taxes, gonna, that's, that's your adjustable rate mm -hmm. right there. Yep. You know what I mean? So your payment is going to go, taxes. you know, it's going to, it's not going to ever come down, but it's going to continue lying. to go up. You that's just lying. what it is. <laughs> you ain't lying. You know? <laughs> I, I see that as a problem all the time, too. That comes up in many. Like, man, my, yeah, my mortgage payment just went up. You know, and, and it's interesting because a lot of people don't bring that up when they start thinking mm -hmm. about the HELOC. They're, they're just thinking, oh, that's all bad. I'm in a fixed. But you don't live a fixed life when At you're all. in a mortgage. That's you right. don't, right? And, and it's important to be realistic about that, right? It's really important to be realistic about that. Now, the other thing, and I know that you and Anthony kind of touched on it, um, but I like to touch on it too. Because some people say, well, what about me just making an extra payment on my mortgage? Okay, cool. You could make an extra principal payment on your mortgage, but that other payment still went 80% towards the interest. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So they try to say that you're going to pay it off quicker doing that. No, you wouldn't because the other payment has been decided already. Right. Right. So so you you could try to get around it. And then the other part of it is the, the concept that we're teaching is really a concept of understanding how money works first. So we need to be very clear about money. Money is currency. Currency. Listen to the word current. It requires movement at all times in order to stay ahead. If money stops or it stales at any point you will be caught by inflation, right? Yeah. That's, that's just how it works, right? So there are three principles to money that we need to talk about. Those three principles to money is that money should always be doing these three things, either growing, paying off debt, or protection. If money doesn't follow any of these three principles, you have already started losing money. I can, I can guarantee you that. So why can I guarantee that? Well, most of us are sentimental about money, which is the reason why even the concept of saying, well, I could do exactly what they're saying with my mortgage. It's not likely because psychologically you can't do it. You know, it. I can't tell you how many consults I've met people and they have 
$20,000 of debt, but they have $45,000 of cash on hand and they're deciding to pay the interest payment. Why? Because they're sentimental about having a certain amount of money in their account. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Some people are like, man, I need to have at least 20,000 of my check and I just can't go to sleep unless it's, it's two zero 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 zero. Right. There's a certain level of comfort for them to have that. It's much a level of money. comfort. And that level of comfort is understandable in a mortgage. But when you switch over to a HELOC and your money, the money is already, time, is already there. It doesn't make sense change. anymore, right? Yeah. It, it won't make sense anymore because all of your money is supposed to be moving. So the mm -hmm. stockpiling you've been doing, you have not been that successful because when you stockpile, your money wasn't growing. It serves as a slight protection, but a, not mm -hmm. a big protection, right? Uh, because if an issue happened with your house that was very detrimental, an issue happened with your health that was very detrimental, that little emergency funds is going to be gone. Right? Yeah. Because uh, most people don't save six months of emergency fund. Right. Um, now, the third thing is, is it paying debt off? Money in a savings account is not paying debt off. It's not paying debt off and it's not growing. Right. Um, so... Why is that so? So, so just, to, just to stop there for a second, just to be clear on what DeAndre is saying so that you guys can understand, all he's saying is rather than having the emergency funds, yeah, of okay, so you might want to have an emergency fund, but now your HELOC plays the role of the emergency fund, your savings, and all of the, the, uh, the debt that, it, that is, is, is basically consolidated in, into one account mm -hmm. for your HELOC. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So your HELOC now becomes your bank account, which kind of funds everything else for you. Mm -hmm. And as you pay the HELOC down or pay it off, that's what's going to happen. You're going to free up even more capital. So you don't need to save the money on an, in an external account anymore. Okay? Yeah. Unless it's an insurance policy, because that's a right. growing and that's a yeah. growing and protection vehicle. Right. Um, and so so when we look at that, that concept. Um, a lot of people are not aware of that concept that money should have those three focuses. Right? I'll be honest, man. I, I've been around business for my whole life. I've been in real estate and financial sector for you know since the year two thousand. Real estate since two thousand and two, mm -hmm. and I learned that concept through you and Anthony Russian, man. So oh, thanks, man. It, 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 <laughs> it opened up my eyes to a different way of looking at how you know money can move and how you don't need to save if you have, you know, yeah. certain accounts in place. Like yeah. The HELOC. yeah. Thank, thank you so much for that. Um, and, and that's, and it's hard to divorce the concept of a traditional bank for most people, mm -hmm. but I really ask this sobering question for people. What is your bank doing for you? What is it doing for you? Just kind of moment of silence. Charging fees, man. Right. So <laughs> most charging fees, most, having a hard time gaining access to capital when you need it. Um, mm -hmm. But here's what most people don't think about. Everybody who has ever had a bank account is a private lender. Mm. However, you're a private lender who never chose the terms of the loan. The bank is the only one who has ever gotten away with borrowing money from people that people are giving them willingly and telling them how much they are willing to pay on the loan. 
which is that little interest payment that you get for $5.62 when right. a year comes up because your, your account is really only giving you 0.25% interest, right? So, so now we say, okay, well, do I really want to be in that situation or do I want to be in a reciprocative situation? So a reciprocative situation means that when you need money, it gives it to you. When, when you don't have money, it, it, can, it can hold you over for a certain amount of time, right? Mm -hmm. That's when your house becomes a home, right? Right now, your house is a house. For most people, your house is a house. And I use the analogy of, and I'm going to get a little geeky here, right? But there's, mm -hmm. a, there's this, these two uh, biology components. One of them is called, uh, well, mutualistic relationships, rather. But one of them is called a parasite. And the other one is called a symbiote, right? So now a parasite is something that has a host and it feeds on the host the whole time. Now, I can prove to you that your mortgage feeds on you. The first thing you think about if you lost your job or your income right now is how are you going to pay the house? That comes before your family. Now, you may think, well, the reason why I'm thinking about how am I going to pay the house is because I don't want my family out. But in essence, if, if your family didn't pop up immediately and the house came up immediately, that's a parasite. It's leeching off of you, right? Now, a symbiote, however, and uh, I don't know how familiar Jamel is with Spider-Man. <laughs> uh, I'm playing, uh, I, I ended the game twice for my Spider-Man too. You, you got, oh, so you, you got it. Yeah, all right, so Venom, right? Yeah, Venom, I mean, I'm, I said Spawn, my so, bad. So Venom, uh, Venom is the character on Spider-Man that has a symbiote on him. And yeah. in, in the game, which you mentioned, he actually, the guy who gets it is actually sick before Venom mm -hmm. gets it on, before mm -hmm. Venom merges with him, right? Before the symbiote merges with him. Well, what a symbiote does is it reciprocates. So it makes it so that you love it so much that you don't want to get rid of it. And mm -hmm. that you, and that it lets you know that it needs you alive as well, right? So if at any point you die, the symbiote recognizes that, hey, I'm, I'm done for. Now, why do I bring up that analogy? Well, I bring up that analogy because your mortgage, and I can say this again, it does not care about you. There were over 100,000 foreclosures in the first quarter of 2023. Over 100,000 of them and projected to continue being that way throughout the rest of the quarters that happened. So we'll, we'll see what the final numbers are after January. But when people say the HELOC is dangerous, I'm always, I'm always kind of surprised because there's only been one foreclosure since 2014. Why am I telling you this? You have to think differently. Just because something's conventional does not make it right right does not make it right uh J jamel you like mangoes i do you, you do I, I'm, yeah. a, I'm gonna trip you out right now so <laughs> on this concept of conventional um and how we just easily go along with things in society without really questioning it 
Uh-huh. Um, so me and my wife, we went to a Mexican restaurant a few weeks ago, or actually, no, it was actually a month and a half ago. But when we went there, there was a dessert called Sopapilla Tropical. Sopa who? Sopapilla Tropical. And, and okay. basically what it was, was it was hot mangoes cooked like, um, cooked like apple pie, like, so brown sugar, cinnamon, the whole nine in the mangoes. And then there was ice cream on top. And then there was like these little tostados or whatever you call them on the top, sprinkled with brown sugar and, and cinnamon on those as well. And me and my wife were looking at each other while we were eating this in amazement and confusion at the same time, because we were like, I know what I ordered, but what is this we eat? What is this mm -hmm. hot stuff, right? What is this hot stuff? And we was like, it's mangoes. And then we started thinking, have we ever had mangoes hot? And she said, no, I ain't never had mangoes hot. I said, yeah, we only eat them raw or we put them in a smoothie. That's it. And then I started going to Baker's and I asked them, do you like mangoes? They said, oh, mangoes is one of my favorite fruits. I keep like mm -hmm. eight or 10 of them in the house at all times. And I said, have you ever baked with mangoes? Have you ever made a dessert with mangoes? Every last one of them said no. I said, well, why not? I just never thought about it. What restaurant is that, by the way? Oh, gosh, man. It had some name with, with uh, oh, God, it was a long name. It was like Tikatuka. <laughs> it, was, it, was it, was, it was local? It was in King. It was in King, North Carolina. Okay. Uh, it, was a little, it was a little far, a little far. But, um, but yeah, so, so after asking like five different bakers, all of them said, I've never cooked with mangoes, but I love mangoes. It's one of my mm -hmm. favorite fruits. And what that what that told me was that there are so many things in society that we just take for face value and we allow it to just move us in a certain direction, right? That even the things that we would think would be awesome, we just, ah, not nah, that, you know, I, I'm, I'm good on that. Mm -hmm. And so one of them, she made a mango cobbler after I brought this to her attention, she said her husband was like, yo, that's that's the only dessert we need in the house. <laughs> right? mm -hmm. But I say all this because if your mind is listening to this podcast and you're like, oh, it doesn't work. Oh, it doesn't work. Oh, it doesn't work. Ask if you're saying it doesn't work simply because you haven't seen it or you don't know people who have done it or because you actually know the math behind it, right? And so with that being said, now we'll go into the math because I wanted you guys to have that whole premise of understanding those things before we go into the uh, calculation. So this is a calculation that I ran uh, just this uh, maybe two weeks ago or so. And let me know if I need to zoom in a little bit, uh, Jamel. Right, it looks good for now. Looks good? good bro. Yeah, like that. Sure. Okay. All right. So this is a person who is in a home, principal loan, 270000 He actually has only been in the home uh, for, and actually, let's, let's do this, because it wasn't, uh, he's only been in the home for, for two months, right? He's only been in the home for two months. Now I'm running this calculation just so you guys see the difference on the numbers when you're looking at flush numbers. So his mortgage 
is 270,000. His interest rate is 6.6%. Now we will fluctuate this just to prove this true for you guys. Cause you might say, oh, that's just so high. I, why would he even run that? We're gonna run it lower as well. But I want you to see the original, what his real numbers actually are right now. Now his homeowner's insurance is 145 a month. His property tax is just 379 a month. And he's paying 250 on his PMI because it's a new home and that's the loan that he got into, right? Now, if we look on this other side, his family has a net income of 8,500. That's after the 401ks go out and everything else, the taxes and everything. Now his average monthly expenses is 3,000. Now I know the first thing you guys are gonna say is, ain't nobody only spending $3,000. Well, that's because you're including the mortgage payment. <laughs> you're probably including the mortgage payment. And in this situation, as I mentioned earlier, when we consolidate using the HELOC, the mortgage payment is no more. So this is his expenses outside of the mortgage payment. All right. Now, Annual homeowner's insurance, this is the same. Taxes is the same. He just doesn't have PMI on this particular loan. Now, I want to drop down and show you the difference between what is happening in this guy's life um, with the suggestion of moving into a HELA, right? Um, so he is on track for paying $618,427.21 on his mortgage with the 29.83 years that he has left. His mortgage payment is 2501 currently, and we know that's gonna go up as Jamel mentioned because of taxes, it's gonna continue going up. But look at the interest that he's paying on that. He's paying $348,427.21 on $270,000. So his total interest is 129.05%. Well, I, I thought it was a 6.6 .6 interest rate. <laughs> <laughs> whoa, whoa, what, what happened to it being 6 point? Right? Now, if you look at this other loan, which is the HELOC, you're noticing the total interest on the loan is 21.87%. Now, why is it that? It's that because he is flowing his income through this vehicle. It makes more sense for him because his savings account automatically grows because a savings account is actually the equity in the house now, right? But, and, and I wanna make sure this is clear. Don't do this if you are not gonna follow this advice to actually flow your income through it. It does not make sense. If you're thinking from a payment to payment standpoint, this is not for you. It is not going to be for you, right? But if you're wanting to get ahead, finish paying off your property quickly and actually use money the way it's intended, perfect for you, right? Now, his interest paid on that 270000 is equating to 59036 and $0.15. Now, hold on now. But the interest rate is 7.5. Whoa. How is the 7.5 performing that way? Now, I am going to I'm am going to compare a lower interest rate to this, but I want you to focus on this first. 
if you notice, it mentions that he's paying the house off in 5.42 years, and he has an interest, total interest of 21.87%, right? So what does that mean? Well, if you took this 21.87% and you divided it by the 542 you would get that his payment is actually 4.035% a year. That's how much interest he's paying on this loan per year because he decided to continue chopping the principal down. The interest payment had to be commensurate with the average daily interest calculation. Now that doesn't equate to 7.5%. It's not equating to 7.5% because of the fluctuation of the actual principal number constantly, right? Now, this number is for those who say, oh, no, high interest rate, da, 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 da. This is if we'd made this a 30-year loan. So this is saying if this loan lasted for 30 years at this rate of interest that they were charged, total interest that they were charged, it would equate to one4 084%. Now, Jamel, do you know any mortgage today that you could get for 1.4084%? No, it is impossible, man. Not at all, right? This is because this is how numbers work. So I want to make sure this is clear. Now, now when we drop down and we really get into the, the gritty details, Jamel, is, do you need to zoom in a little bit more here? It's a little bit, yeah. All right, let's, how is that? That's perfect. Perfect, all right. So I want you to notice something about the interest payment on the house here. And we're just gonna use two years as the barometer. So two years, which is month 24. So it starts off, the interest payment starts off at 1485. And to be clear, with this is on the regular mortgage. This is on right? the regular mortgage, right? And also, guys, remember, you know, keeping this in mind, all things being fair, fair. This is on a somebody's actual. These are somebody's actual numbers. This is somebody's real actual numbers. numbers. This yeah. is not theory, okay? Yeah. No theory here at all, right? So, in the first two years, the interest payment only dropped by thirty-two dollars and sixty cents. Well, why is that? Because interest rate is a codependent factor. The principal isn't dropping that much. Therefore, the interest rate, does, the interest right. doesn't drop that much, right? right? Now, when we talk about a priority principal loan, which is the HELOC, now we see, okay, interest payment is $1,687.50. So you're right, yes, it's gonna be a higher payment initially because it's 7.5 in comparison to 6.6. .6. Okay, I agree with that, right? But let's see how much it drops by in that same two year span. And while you're doing that, you know, a lot of people might say, where am I gonna get the money to, 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 to pay that higher payment? It's coming out of the money you, you already make anyway. You understand what I mean? So rather than paying off your bills through your regular payments, you're paying right. bills, you're paying everything through the HELOC. So you're sending the money to the HELOC 
and then from there you pay your bills like you normally would. Right. So it's just a, a, a shift in thinking of how you actually operate your 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 uh your your money in order to be able to make this work. Correct. And and remember there was a removal of the mortgage. So there was yep. a removal of the mortgage note. The mortgage note is not the same as the interest payment. It's interest plus principal. So imagine so so just imagine a world, guys, where you receive a paycheck and you don't cash the check and then pay your bills. What you do is you cash the check or you just send the check directly into your HELOC. Mm -hmm. Then you pull the money from your HELOC when you in order that. to be able to pay your debts and be able to live how you live. You want to mm -hmm. go and eat or whatever the case may be. That's this type of setup. That's exactly that's what you're what doing. And that's how you're going to be able to pay that house down in five years, this particular person versus 30 years or 29 and a half years uh, going using the, using the uh, regular the regular uh, mortgage route. Exactly, exactly. So now the difference on the interest payment here, first month, $1,687.50. And when we drop down to the 24th month, that is $1,138.69. It dropped by $548.00 and 81 cents in the first 24 months, in the first two years, right? So which one do you think obviously is gonna pay the property off quicker? One is paying down $32 on the interest, dropping the interest payment by $32 in, in two years. The other one's dropping it by $548.81 in two years. Obviously, the one that is dropping it by 548 81 right. is going to succeed, right? Now, we can even take it from a yearly interval. For, from a yearly standpoint, the equity that's gained is $47,636.47 for this client, right? Well, one, one more thing I want to bring out, man, not, not to cut you off, but a lot of people, you know, I'm, I've been reading the comments. A lot of people have been saying, hey, you know, um, yeah, this only works if you're truly disciplined discipline very very true it works when you're mm -hmm. disciplined right but a mortgage only works when you're disciplined as well Fact. the only difference is you're paying you're, you're paying more interest over a period of time for uh for a lower interest rate because you think that the interest rate is benefiting you yeah it's helping you um you know from a standpoint of the way you're operating your finances right now but in reality you're paying a whole lot more money in interest you're literally paying the bank Mm -hmm. Right, you're paying the bank uh, just to have a lower interest rate and that peace of mind, thinking that your 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 lower payment is helping you. It ain't. And, you know in essence, I mean? you you're paying the bank to be irresponsible. You're I paying the bank. I, that, I hate that concept of saying this only works when you're disciplined. The problem is you shouldn't think outside of discipline. Guess what? And guess what? <laughs> if you're not disciplined. With your Nothing mortgage, works. you're gonna you're gonna get foreclosed on. Nothing works if you're not disciplined. This, so you got to be disciplined either way, right? Absolutely. Which I think is the number one problem that I hear. It's always a a scarcity mindset, as if people can't actually, you know, get on the road, sit down, and say, "Hey, this is what I'm supposed to do." I'm gonna let you guys know right now. I'm not the Dave Ramsey guy. Uh, you haven't seen the episode. <laughs> I am not going to tell you you're too I'll post stupid, that video up at the top. Right? For everybody to check out. I, I'm not going to tell you you're too stupid 
to do the right thing. Mm. I'm going to give you a vote of confidence that when you see the truth of the numbers, you will make a decision that says, you know what, that's going to cost me over $200,000 more. If I'm not disciplined now, I see the reason I should be. Mm. Right. And, and oftentimes a lot of my, a lot of my appointments turn out that way. Well, maybe it's not a fit for a person right now because they are not disciplined. But when they look at the numbers, they're like, dang, I'm gonna call you back and, and say, I don't, I don't, I don't right? know if I agree that it takes discipline. I just think it takes a mental shift. It uh, takes a mental a shift. shift. In how, how you think about money mm-hmm. because you gotta be disciplined either way. You got to be disciplined with a mortgage. You got to be disciplined with a HELOC. It's just a, 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 especially in America, as Anthony brought out, other countries are using this, you know, flawlessly, right? But mm-hmm. in America, we're sold the idea of having a lower, lower uh, mortgage payment. We're sold the idea of the way we operate, amortized mortgage, right? Mm-hmm. So that's all. When when something is all you know, then you tend to gravitate toward that particular you know, situation in order to be able to, you know, make your yours work. I think that this just takes a mental shift on, you know, uh, it takes a shift on how you think about finances and how you're thinking about your mortgage and, and things like that mm-hmm. in order to be able to really operate under this type of, uh, because it doesn't really take any extra ounce of discipline. It just takes a, a, a different thought process on how you, yeah. How you structure your finances. That's really all it is, man. For for most, it doesn't. For some, it does, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so what I mean by that is okay. I, I've found that people who have maybe lost a job before, they are far more disciplined than people who have never lost a job before. Mm-hmm. Um, so naturally, when they go through their numbers, they're so serious about their numbers because They've had to go to the ramen noodle stage before. And they're like, hey, look, you know, we not going to tighten them belts. We, we, we tighten them belts, right? And so, you know, if I'm frank with you, even though I say I'm not the Dave Ramsey guy, those people who prescribe to Dave Ramsey, this would work for them 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. They, they have more discipline. That, that, that's this would work for them 100% of the time because he's creating such a such an environment that makes you like, Hey, I can't go on vacation. I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. That this will be your saving grace. You will be out of debt way faster. If you applied the same mindset and then you took it here, because what he's not doing is getting into numbers. He's giving Mm -hmm. you simple theories about how to pay debt off. Look, you don't have to be brilliant to know that you need to stop going out to eat as much if you don't have the money. I mean, that doesn't take a genius that you're spending a lot of money at McDonald's, you're spending a lot of money at Chick-fil-A or wherever you're going, or you're spending a lot of money buying change, jewelry, so on and so forth. It doesn't take a genius to show you, hey, this is why you have a leak in your boat from a financial standpoint. Um, What takes a genius is helping you to understand how to be efficient, right? And that's what this conversation is about. It's not simply just about paying debt off. It's about how to be efficient while you pay debt off, which allows you to go and after opportunities like what you mentioned with with, uh, Gary earlier, right? He was not in this situation where he could be making 
60 or $70,000 off of a deal beforehand, right? So a lot of you who are so focused on interest rate, interest rate da, 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 you're not even focused on the aspect that when you gain access to money, you gain access to opportunity that makes oh, that money. A hundred percent of fact, man. That makes money, right? And, and and if you don't grasp that, you will struggle because inside of a mortgage, there is no opportunity inside of your mortgage. Your money is locked up inside of it, right? Now, you might have opportunity if you are renting out a home and that home has a mortgage note on it and you're drawing a payment higher than the mortgage note, so on and so forth. Okay, that's true. But inside of your residential property, if you're in a mortgage, you're not benefiting yourself. That's right, man. There's no way around it when you look at this, right? And so, and this is what he came to the conversation with. The guy who I met with, he is a scientist. He looked mm. at these numbers and he was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I signed that. And when we went through the conversation, I told him exactly how his mortgage paperwork went. He went to the mortgage loan officer. They flipped the page over a little bit. They said, sign here, sign here, sign here, sign here, sign here. He had no idea he was on the hook for 618000 He had no idea, right? So why is that so important? Wake up, think. It is okay to think. It might not be popular to think, but it's okay to think. <laughs> it is very okay to think. Don't be ashamed of saying something doesn't sound right about this. They're even talking about doing 40-year mortgages soon. Like, that's crazy. Yeah, they've been talking about that for over a year at that's this crazy. point. That's crazy. That's crazy. That but, is. But these, these, are, these are the numbers. And here's the funny part. But, but guess who wins on a 40-year mortgage, man? Oh, the, the all banks day. are going to kill the it. wins all day. They're going to kill it, man. So, so right here, month 65 is when this loan would be paid off in the HELOC. Mm. The interest rate on the mortgage is still $1,383.04 with the loan completely paid off in the HELOC in this situation, right? Now, if you're, if you're one of those people who want to be a naysayer, let's, let's just play a game. What if this was 3.2%? Oh, now we're comparing 3.0. Uh, DeAndre said 3% ain't nothing. 3%, he's still paying $149,415.11, which is 55.34%, and the 7.5 is still equating to a total of 21.87%. What does this mean? It means that the interest rate means far more when you're in an amortized loan than a simple vehicle that's revolving, right? Why don't we do this? Why don't we bump that simple interest number up and see what happens? Oh yeah, we love doing that. So because people again, interest rate being a factor in people's minds. What if there was a fifteen percent interest on a HELOC versus a three? What was it? Three point two, right? Two percent interest on a regular mortgage. 
So so now we we bumped it up to 15%, right? Because of the structure of this loan, you're still paying it off quicker. Now, granted, yes. Are you paying more money? Yes, you are. But are you done faster? Yes, you are. Right? Um, that's the reality. And this is 15% we're talking about. We're talking about a difference of almost 12%. Now, now think about this as well. How 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 possible is it for you to get a 15% interest on a HELOC? It's not. It's impossible. There's not one what, that exists. There's a realistic number now. The, at the highest interest rate on the HELOC market today is 11. Mm -hmm. That's the most you could spend on a HELOC right now. So all things being fair. All things being, this is the highest interest rate versus a fairly low interest rate mortgage, right? you would still be paying less on the highest current interest rate that there is in the market with this strategy now, versus the mortgage. And let's use a realistic number, not even 3.2% because that's not realistic anymore. We're talking about two years ago, right? 3.2%, let's, let's, let's use today's interest rate well, for a mortgage. Well, Let me look that, that was the client, the client got a 6.6, Two months ago. Two, two months ago. Okay. This was two months ago, right? So let's look at the uh, but mortgage. Here's one thing I want to do. Let's do this as well, Jamel. Do seven and a half percent. We're going to do seven and a half percent across the board so that you can see what we're talking Fair about. Fair enough. Oh, my goodness. So now if they were equal with this strategy... We're still on track for 5.42 because we ran it at seven and a half in the first place in the HELOC. Mm -hmm. But if you were in a mortgage, you're paying $676,868.55 on $270,000 with a 7.5% mortgage. Now, do me a favor, scroll up a little bit to the payment section or down, whichever way it went. Right I here. think it was down. Here's what scares people. All right. Now, you see the um, the the payment amount, right? So what's the payment amount on, on the regular mortgage right here? The first payment. So the payment amount on the regular mortgage, well, that's... $1,900, give and take. Yeah, that's telling you how much is... So you got that right here. $2,600, oh, so $2, right? Yep. Now, scroll down real quick. Now, show us the payment amount on the first uh, payment for the HELOC. Okay. Here's the payment amount for the first payment on the HELOC. How much is that? So it's an interest-only loan. So the interest is $1,687.50. And then the income that comes in on top of that uh, was $3,815.50 outside of the expenses for the client. All right. So you got, let's say, a $3,800 um, $3, payment, right? That's how much the principal. Yeah, it went towards the principal. Yep. Versus, versus a $2,600 payment, right? Mm-hmm. What the bank is doing is they're selling you on a lower payment. Yeah, absolutely. 
You understand? And that's what scares people. But as we've already debunked that earlier today, you're only going to do this if you're making enough money, right? Number one, if you if you can buy a house, then you can do this. The difference is where you're allocating the money. Mm-hmm. That's the key thing here that I, I don't want you guys to get confused. You might have a $3,800 payment, let's just say, but all of your money is going into that payment. Then you're going to pull out the money in order to be able to pay your bills versus doing it the other way around. Mm-hmm. That's why this works. You understand? So, and and I and I'm only bringing that up because I know how people think. Yeah. Right. A lot of people were like, "Hey, you know, yeah, but that's a thirty-eight hundred dollar payment. Yeah, but you're gonna have a thirty-eight hundred dollar expense for the month anyway. Mm-hmm. You just gotta put the money into, you know, you gotta allocate the money the right way. Yeah. And if the, you, the the thirty-eight twelve is going directly towards principal, which opens up the equity. So. You might think of it as a $3,800 payment, and to use an analogy that would simplify that, it's $3,800 towards your savings account. That's it. That's right. That's it. $3,800. So so it's just a different way. Yeah, you might have a lower payment for a longer period of time with a regular mortgage, but with the HELOC, it frees up the capital. So imagine you, you can't, you can't put money into a mortgage and be able to pull that money back out no. to be able to live off of. No. But with a HELOC, you can. And that's the key difference between the two. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I I really want people to grasp this. Now, I, I will say, when isn't it for you? Right? Let's go ahead and because I, you know, let's let's go ahead and show the the good, the bad, the indifferent. My hope is that a client is not spending $7,000 a month with $8,500 of net income. And if they are, well, for this client, it wouldn't have made sense because his mortgage payment is $2,600 or you know, his mortgage payment is, is fairly high. So if we look here, we'll see what his actual mortgage payment was. Now, in this situation, he's going to lose in the HELOC. Mm. Right. There you go. That's how. I, that's a loss, right? Mm-hmm. Now, why is he losing by that significant of a degree? Well, it's because he doesn't have any cash flow. He doesn't have any cash flow, so it can't do anything but pay the interest only. Right. And of course, if you pay the interest only, you're never going to pay the thing off. (laughs) You're never going to pay it off. So for those who might look on the podcast and maybe see it and they're looking at their finances and they're like, oh, yeah, I think I might want to do it. Take this into mind as well. If you are not building out some space. So if you look at your mortgage and it's like, okay, well, my mortgage is in place. How much of my mortgage makes up my expenses? If you start looking outside of the mortgage and you still have a very high expense to income ratio, there's something wrong. Right. Right. It should not be this high. In fact, it probably should be this at the most. At the most. It shouldn't because this is over 50%. So anytime you borrow, 
you're supposed to, you know, your debt to income ratio, most people want it to be under 45%. So you can use that as a metric that if I'm not, if I'm not at 45% or under on my expense to income ratio without my mortgage being included, I'm not including the mortgage without the mortgage being included. This ain't for me. Mm-hmm. Right. If, if I'm not at that space now, granted, could it work? This is if he had $4,500 of expenses, it could still work. It still is better than the mortgage. <laughs> with $8,500 $8, of income, yes, it's still better than the mortgage, even with $4,500 of expenses, right? So that's more than 50% of expenses in that situation that still makes it happen. Now, what changes those metrics is how much money is actually being borrowed, right? So, you know, if it's if it's a low amount of money being borrowed, obviously the interest rate is going to charge on a lower figure from the start. That will definitely change things drastically. But for him, you know, and, and here's the other aspect that I would like to share with people. Why is this so powerful? Well, you start thinking about doing real estate. You start thinking about investing in anything. You start thinking about putting money into an insurance policy. So for this client, after he's paid off his home, it would take him 1.67 years to pay off $100,000, which means if he wanted to fund a retirement account and he was 30, let's say he was 30. I showed Jamel an example where there was a there was an actual account that does not lose money that was on track for making $7.5 million without losing money, without being subject to market risk. And he was 32, right? Now, anybody can do that because of how numbers work. Most of you are trapped in a financial system that you really don't understand. Uh, part of the financial system you don't understand probably is going to be on we already discovered that you don't understand interest, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you also don't understand returns. So some of you are trapped into a retirement system that does not work. But my 401k, but my this. I, 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 Jamel, I had a person whose financial advisor told him to sell his entire portfolio. He had $3.8 million of of real estate, but he wasn't drawing the money that he should be drawing from the real estate. He had so many expenses, um, you know, had to fix this, had to fix this. He had a bunch of mortgages on all of them, right? Mm -hmm. And so his financial advisor said, go ahead and sell it all. And net about $1.8 million after capital gains and all this stuff, right? Now he wants to leave a legacy for his kids. That's a legacy, but he don't know how to leave it. He had a a few hundred thousand in a 401k and guess what? Terrified to use the the few hundred thousand, but he, and he's considering liquidating the properties, right? And so I had to really help him to understand, look, cash flow is everything, man. Mm Cash flow is everything. 
if you are listening to us and you think about a financial system in any way, I want to go ahead and help you with something, whether it be retirement or anything that you have in mind. Retirement is passive income pulling time. That's all it is. In essence, it's cash flow time. Think about Social Security, cash flow, pension, cash flow. If you're drawing from an account, you you are only drawing with the mentality of how much can I draw per month? Stop thinking about, oh, well, it has this large number connected to it because if it has a large number connected to it and you're not counting taxes, you ain't counting other implications, you're working backwards. Focus on cash flow today. Focus on it today. And the reason why you need to focus on it today is because your focus is going to be divided with health problems and a number of different things the older you get. You won't be able to focus on cash flow because your budget is going to be it's going to be forced on you. And even if you did have money to draw from, what I've seen from a lot of people, Jamil, is because they've gotten hit so many times when they touch money in different accounts, they're terrified to touch them even in retirement. Crazy man, so they never live in touch of me in retirement. Just recently, uh, JP Morgan Chase has a person, an, an over 80 year old man, who's suing them because his financial advisor lost him 50 million dollars in the market. And his response was, He knew the risk. That was the financial advisor. He knew the risk, right? Now, the only reason why they say that is because they you, you sign a whole bunch of legalese paperwork. Which most people are probably not going to read. Which most people are not going to read to place the liability on yourself and off of the advisor who is mm -hmm. advising you. Most people, they say sign here. You don't read it. They just sign. They just sign. They just sign. So... So we're, we're just having this conversation today because we see so many people who have these questions or they make statements. Before you make a statement, book a call. Before you make a move, book a call. There's nothing wrong with getting more information about your particular situation and seeing if this works for you. Mm -hmm. Stop, stop trying to do this alone. No man can do this alone. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the truth though man yeah. it's the truth you know yes yeah man so if you had to provide our listeners with last words man what would those words be my last words would be um so you know my sign isn't up here but if you if you go to my website you'll see clayton financial solutions my motto is you don't have to know someone to help someone i'm trying to help you I'm dead serious about trying to help you. If anybody has ever booked a call, you can put in a comment if you've done an appointment with me. Let people know. They're actually getting help. It's not, it's not conjecture. It's not theory. I'm not trying to sell you a Lamborghini, none of that. I want you to start thinking. In order for society to move forward, we have to be thinkers. Not simply order takers or not simply just doing what has been set up for us. 
what makes entrepreneurs different is that they think outside of the box. The reality is thinking outside of the box nowadays is just thinking in general. That's it, man. That's it. So. Well, we definitely appreciate you hopping on today's podcast, man, continuing to educate the audience on sure. how to make better financial moves and how they can invest that money into more real estate and things like that in order to be able to support their future and be able to live a comfortable life uh, not too far into the near future as well. I, yeah, so, absolutely. Look, man, obviously we're going to have you back. If you guys got any questions, leave a comment in the comment section. Let us know what questions you have in regards to what we spoke about today. If you have, if you agree with what we were talking about, if you disagree, leave a comment in the comment section. We're happy to entertain those, uh, those comments as well, but share this video with as many people as possible. Not too many people in our communities understand this type of information. And we need to, uh, be able to spread this information so that more people, uh, can, can make better financial decisions. So, be sure to share this video be sure to like this so that it helps the youtube algorithm uh and be sure to subscribe to this channel if you want more detailed videos and podcasts and other content just like this deandre man we we appreciate you hopping on the line today Thanks, uh, and we man. look forward to seeing you guys on the next one Anytime. and i hope that you benefited from today's podcast as well we'll talk to you guys later